This is Don't Forget the Small Stuff, and today we're talking about Jaws. I don't think either of you are familiar with the nature of this podcast. I think I'm familiar with the fact that you are going to ignore this particular podcast until it swims up and bites you in the... Actually, we should probably just start recording. Welcome to Don't Forget the Small Stuff, the podcast that celebrates the overlooked and forgotten little moments in films. I'm Jess, and with me today is Andy. Hello. And Chris. Hello. Uh, you can find us online at smallstuffcast.com. We are at smallstuffcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And you can contact us using email at smallstuffcast.com. And you really should. We read every single one. Our music is by the awesome Skeleton King. Uh, you can find more of Skeleton King's work by following the link in the show notes. So today, Jaws, it's a biggie. Uh, in fact, I was just thinking the other day, there's probably only a handful of films that have been picked over and analysed to the same degree that Jaws has, you know, like maybe Star Wars and The Godfather. But there aren't many other films that have been looked at and documented and researched and et cetera, et cetera, as much as Jaws. So, quite frankly, there isn't a lot we can say in terms of its impact on the cinematic um, world and, and people and what have you that hasn't already been said. So I'm going to keep this big stuff chat minimal, um, but we will we want to talk about like what Jaws means to us. So, Chris, what does Jaws mean to you? Well, first of all, it's only my favorite movie of all time. And has been for probably 40 years. So there's that. Um, it's literally um, in ways that I'm not going to go into has altered and shaped my life in some ways negative. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll just very briefly say that uh, I will not be coming to visit you anytime soon yeah. or you, Andy, because uh, I would never in a million years fly over a body of water. And that can be linked directly back to this movie. <laughs> Um, my wife specifically, my wife specifically asked me if you were going to mention that on, on the pod today. Yeah. So, um, I know how foolish that sounds when I'm sitting here recording a podcast mentioned buying a plane ticket and I would break out into a cold sweat. Um, I'll just say also real quickly, um, that I don't know how we're going to do a podcast today, uh, about the small stuff because this movie has no small stuff. Every single second and moment in this movie is incredibly huge and large and important and amazing. So <laughs> I will have nothing to say. Okay. Yeah. I can tell that you've got, have nothing to say. Yeah. I can see that yeah. from the notes we've taken. <laughs> yeah. And I, I like you, Chris. I think this is, is it my favorite? It probably is, but I think it's certainly the greatest film ever made at least the ones i've seen uh, it's it's a triumph in many many ways short and sweet but to the point yeah i i i probably don't have as strong opinion as you guys but it is pretty close um i love jaws it, you know it's in my top whatever 10 20 films for sure watch it probably more than 20 most come on well, 20 yeah okay well, all right 15 you happy with 15? <laughs> but let's, uh, I think we should just dive right in. Uh, the The movie starts, I, I, it, it is almost impossible for us to say, oh, this, like to not say rather that this scene is a classic for every single scene that we 
we're going to talk mm-hmm. about. So just assume that I'm we 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 love every scene, and everyone every scene is a classic. <laughs> but it starts with a classic scene. <laughs> <laughs> Poor um, Chrissy gets. Uh, well, she goes swimming. Yeah. She's I a real good swimmer. Say, um, She's a real good swimmer. Uh, before the 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 tragedy of of Christy Watkins' death, um, that's a pretty happening little party going on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really um, I really would have liked to have hung out on that beach and they had a little bonfire going and everybody's kind of snuggling up. That looked like a good place yeah. to be. I, I would have. I think I wouldn't have gone in the water. I would have hung out. Two. Well, no, but you. Yeah, no. <clears throat> if Christy Watkins suddenly starts batting her eyelids at you, Chris. You're going in the water. Okay. That's yeah. Well, he didn't, did he? I mean, he passed out. He tried. Oh, he tried really oh, no, hard. No, but, you know, you could have chased her. And... Yeah. Is it he... the first time, by the way, in, in history that drinking saved a man's life? Like, thank God he was drunk, right? Yeah. <laughs> if yeah. he wasn't drunk and passed out, he's going and swimming with her and the shark yeah. eats him too. Mm-hmm. So there yeah. you go, kids. There's, there's our lesson for the podcast. Drink up. I just wanted to say he also, he really looks like James Hunt. Yes. Yeah, given yeah, we that did we rush. did rush just yeah, yeah. No, just recently. He really looks like James Hunt. Maybe modelled his look. Well, I would have done. So um, you mentioned the music on the beach, Chris. I think it's interesting because you've got a choice of two. You could go on the side of the guitar player. You can have his music or you can go on the side of the, the harmonica player. They weren't playing the same song. They weren't like, um, what do you call it? They weren't riffing off with each other. What, that, that's not the right word. I'm well, no, the harmonica guy. Yeah. I think, uh, and again, we're not going to talk about the, some of the larger stuff here too much because we'll be here for days. Um, but it's an interesting um, early look at some of the, the filmmaking techniques here. So we sweep from left to right and they're not scared. They shy away from the audio moving with it. Yeah. So there's multiple conversations and music is playing over itself. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't try and isolate that so you can hear it. It's just very effectively done. They do that so many times in the yeah. film um but yeah. guys I, i'm gonna just say this right now and then i'm gonna leave this topic completely alone like watching it last night especially taking notes and everything and getting ready for the pod it just blows me away every time like this is directed by like how old is he like 25 yeah like he's just a kid i watching last night i'm like this movie feels like it's directed by an older experienced Man at the helm that knew, exa- and it's just a kid really making his first big movie. I just can't believe it every time I watch it. Yep. Struck me. As always, you know, we watch these films with an academic eye to to make our notes for these. Or, or these try, try or to. At least, at least try to, yeah. Um, and this it's especially hit me hard. I mean, as I said at the start, this has always been my favorite film. But I didn't appreciate how good a film it was, how well made it was. So actually, I think it's it's more well made and it is good that's not to say it's not good because i still think it's probably my favorite film of all time but um yeah it is real good the next scene i think is um talking about what would you call it like um made by uh, an extremely experienced filmmaker i think the next scene at the brody house is is ex- exceptionally good mm-hmm. they re- they reveal so much exposition about brody and his family and what life is like for him without telling us anything. It's, it's show and not tell, right? It's mm-hmm. um, they'd have the conversation about the, the the fact that they've just moved in recently. That he's um, 
police. He's uh, got two kids. Um, he's protective of them. His wife loves him. You know, there's just... And it's all just in the space of yeah. whatever, like two minutes, not even probably. And it's, and it's just, and again, it's it's show, don't tell. It is yeah. natural conversation. And those those pieces of information come out. And again, there's things happening over the top of each other. And yeah, it's exceptionally efficient filmmaking. It's really, really well done, that scene. I mean, you talked about how they don't isolate the, the audio in the opening scene, but mm. they don't do it in this one either. We, no, hear, no. we hear his wife talking to <clears throat> his son in the background. And we hear him on the phone in the foreground and we can keep up with both conversations. We understand what's happening in both cases and it's not been isolated. It's not, we're not, they're not holding our hands through this whole thing. It's just family life in front of us. I love the fact that he doesn't know which phone to answer, by the way. I just, that's, that's <laughs> one of my favorite small stuffs. Yeah. He very quickly um, gets the call as we just talked about and they go and find Chrissy's body on the beach. I love I mean, it's horrific, but also I love Hendrick's face when he blows the whistle and he kind of slumps down on the sand. And it, his we don't need to see her well, her body. Yeah. His face tells us everything we need to know. It's a look of um, genuine despair, isn't it? more so than his face. I have down here for my note, the greatest backhanded spit wipe of all time. <laughs> I would like you to keep a regimented list of backhanded spit wipes, please. Chris. Find me a better one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can't think of one right now. So nobody could. There's, it's so amazing. And and, uh, and there's no spit. That's the other thing. Like there's no, he's not actually wiping any spit away, mm -hmm. but like he's just, yeah, he's so overwhelmed by what he's found. And as, as we see little, I mean, bad pun, little bits and pieces of what he yeah. finds. No wonder. I mean, anybody would be, but yeah. Yeah, that wipe of his mouth, I, that I always enjoy that. They decide that they, or Brody decides that he's going to close the beaches and he has to go and buy um, some supplies to make the signs. I love the the whole sequence where he's moving through the town. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's brilliant. I mean, again, we get a little bit of that multiple conversations, but what we, what we also get a sense of is how trivial most of his day-to-day -day activities and, and troubles are from the from the, mm -hmm. the the folks um he's obviously got much more important things to to concern be concerned with right now but they're moaning about people doing this and that and the other and the fence and all the this stuff going on so all that stuff again it's it's not wasted time in the film you know we're learning all the time here when he's, he's off you know he's just going to go buy supplies to build some signs but um it's it's not you it's not wasted it's really really cool well, as we find out later on, there hasn't been a single murder in Amity in 25 years. So. Yeah, yeah, because they mentioned earlier, don't they, there's no closed beach signs or anything like that to go make right. them. There's no crime. Then he goes to... Um, Incidentally, I do like yeah. the way he knocks over the paintbrushes. Oh, it's amazing. It's just he's having the worst time. Yeah. <laughs> His face. Just a quick note on that. Uh, was an accident. Was it? And Spielberg, Spielberg the director, is like, no, no, I work keep that. that looks good. I like that. And they kept it in. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, he uh, he then goes, he finds out that there's the Boy Scouts doing their mile swim and he takes the, I guess it's like a, it's a very short ferry across the, whatever it is, the estuary or something, but not before the mayor and his group of cronies catch up with him. First of all, I don't understand where the, like, I, I can't follow the trajectory of that raft and where they go and do they do a circle? Did they go to the other side of someplace? I don't know where they went or what happened there. But I also, uh, one of my favorite lines, because it's the opposite of what we were talking about so much 
of what we've learned is he's, they're just showing us this town and his life, and we're mm -hmm. getting so much information from showing. And then one of the great all-time tell lines when the mayor says to him, it's your first summer, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know. Like, <laughs> it's not a... Oh, wait. Haven't, didn't oh, I do no, one I before? I've been here for five years. Yeah. Thanks, mayor, for letting me know. <laughs> it's such an expositional line that... <laughs> To make sure the audience understands, but but uh, you didn't need it because we already knew. No, but I think also though it does speak to the mayor and to what kind of attitude he has because he, Brody knows it, but the mayor still feels like he has to tell him. You know, he's he's yeah. speaking down to Brody, like That's in that moment. Point. So it's yeah, it's it tells us about the mayor for sure. I like your interpretation. It restores the film to perfection. Okay, good. It's a perfect movie again. Yep. So also in the car with the mayor, there's like what, like th four other guys. Yeah, it's four people. One of people whom I think is, I've I've got real villain question mark in my notes here. So who I think is the real villain potentially of the piece, aside from the shark, of course. Right. That is, I don't know, is he the medical examiner? Is he the coroner? No, what is the, he? The coroner. Yeah. The brown suited dude with the glasses. The the yeah the one yeah, who yeah. says I'll have to amend my report. Yeah yeah yeah. He's the real villain. He didn't. St I mean, he's got a very specific job to do, right? He he should not be swayed by politics or like the plea of law enforcement or anything. He's got a very specific job: find out the cause of death. Yeah. And now he's saying, "Oh, we'll have to amend our reports." He's, he's a he's spineless. In the, he's in the pocket of the mayor, isn't he? Completely. I mean, just a horrendous individual. He was very sure at the beginning. Shark attack made Brody type it. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah, it could be a boat. Boating accident. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he gets put in his place later on, which I'm very pleased about. So they decide to keep the beaches open. And there is another lovely moment of how mundane the chief's life normally is when the guy on the beach comes up to talk to him about like the, the parking zone or whatever it is, or the guy that parks outside his, his house on the beach just before. It's so good, isn't it? Because Brody is just staring out to sea. And this guy's in his face just talking garbage about some parking or something and and it's done so well they just his his voice gets slightly muffled and you know the to the degree that you, you suspect it's um Brody's senses getting sort of um heightened at certain things mm -hmm. and um tunnel vision just staring out to see but yeah it it's so good I love it how he doesn't even get to finish what he's he's asking no, just because his it. wife calls him back over yeah and it's so. Like, it's, yeah, he's the only person on the beach that can't tell that Brody is um, not interested, upset about something. <laughs> I'll just add in on that real quickly that um, I, I don't know how many times I've seen this movie. I'd say at least forty. I didn't. I know. Ne I never realized what he was talking about at all until maybe two or three viewings ago. Who the guy? I don't think I paid attention to what he was saying. Even you? Because I'm like Brody. Care. I'm focused. I'm like, mm. yeah. My intentions elsewhere. I'm thinking of other things. I'm worried about other things. When he's talking, I'm not paying any attention as a viewer to what he's talking about. His delivery is so boring as well. It's like monotone. Blah, yes. blah, 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 blah. <laughs> there are two attacks that happen on the beach at this moment because obviously Alex Kittner gets attacked, but also Pippet disappears, mm -hmm. the, the okay. dog. So what's the dog's name? Pippet. P-I-P-P-E-T? Yeah, I think so. Okay, my the... the um... Closed captioning on mine had Tippet. Tippet. With a, with a T. Well. And then I have other people that say the dog's name is Pippin. Well, they're all wrong. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's yeah. Pippet. Pippet! 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 
I mean, what's the consensus between the three of us? Pippet? I think it's Pippet. It's definitely not Tippet. It's Pippet, right? With the T. Yeah. P at the beginning, T at the end. Yeah. Yeah, fine. Okay, so it's, we've resolved it. 100% unanimous. 100%. It's Pippet. Write in if you disagree, of course. Don't bother. By the yeah. way, the oh, dog no, no, was not by the shark. I'm Say again? That. He was not eaten by the shark. No? The dog. Why not? No, no. He's off playing. I'm not having a dog get killed in my Oh, my has favorite. he gone to stay at your uncle's? Calm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He is so happy. There is a shot of the dog. Just, <laughs> he is just so happy. Just before he's like, he's prancing on the edge of the surf. <clears throat> it's just so lovely. Yeah. No, he gets eaten, Chris. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm saying it. I'm sad. This scene is fantastic. It might be my favourite scene. There might be another one, which is my favourite scene. But at the moment, let's go with this. So, of course, there's a great shot when you see the shark. It's brilliantly done because there's not enough. It's it's kind of silhouetted, so there's not enough um, light to see any detail. But it looks enormous and pretty realistic and harrowing, completely harrowing. And then we get the fantastic kind of Hitchcock dolly zoom on mm-hmm. on Brody, mm-hmm. which is it's just perfection. And then he sprints to the water uh, and immediately pulls up because he hates it. You can see how much he hates the water at that point. And that's, that whole section there is it's perfect yeah well and incredibly graphic like you you see the boy oh my god that yeah it's horrible i forgot how brutal this film is that there's one clip where it looks like the water is boiling yeah with blood it's incredible yeah oh okay but the dog didn't get eaten so i i feel a little better okay i'm yeah Uh, anything else uh, to say about that? The the Kintner and Pippet attack. I'm I'm persevering, Chris. Pippet dis- Pippet's gone. Well, we would have seen something. They they, we sh- they showed all the other attacks. What like a a paw floating to the bottom oh, of the come ocean? On. Oh no, come on, not. it's not a paw. Oh, that wouldn't okay. float anyway. No, okay, no, fine, all right. <laughs> Cry now, loud. Honestly, <laughs> have you no shame? Nope. <laughs> Um, will I? Will we? Will we get in trouble for that? I don't know. No. People are going to write in. Um, all right, I am going to move on because we'll we'll go to the town meeting. Because Chris, I think you had you had a couple of things to say about the town meeting. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so first of all, um, this is my great murmuring scene. Yeah, it is. Um, fantastic background murmuring going on in here, and and um, some great audio work. Um, because there's great murmuring, but then there's like also audible. I think you're going to get um, in the Screen Actors Guild because you actually have a line in the movie lines that come through very clearly too. Yeah, like uh, the classic. I don't think that's funny. I don't think that's funny at all. Yep. By the way, the man that was bugging Brody about the parking, mm-hmm. uh, that's his wife. Yeah. 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 Uh, somebody else yells out uh, when when the mayor says only 24 hours and somebody yells out 24 hours is like three weeks that's the yeah. line that sticks with me all the time it's yeah. like she's so distinct that woman and we don't know which woman it was there's a few women in that room no. but there are <laughs> and I but think she's done the math yeah, yeah absolutely right I think um, the general consensus though from the folks is that they do not want the beaches closed that's important the, the, the townsfolk at this point are resistant to the beaches being closed. Yeah, that's probably something I hadn't picked up on before. Um, well, we're going to come back to that. Yeah, later I know. On. Which is why I mention it. 
Uh, and then there's the the scene on the like the pier that is apparently on the other side of the island with the two guys trying to catch the shark with their holiday roast. It's a big old piece of meat, isn't it? Okay. So I don't I guess I need to choose my words carefully here because I was going to say they got lucky. I guess they got unlucky. That the pot roast didn't attract the shark. No, there it is. The shark just happened to be there when oh. they threw the pot roast. And are we in. even sure it's the shark? Like it's never explained what it is. When the broken bit of the jetty comes back in, there's no shark attached to it. No. It just floats back in. No, I think I think if this scene was not in the movie, I wouldn't care less. No, I agree. I also don't understand where the shark is. When we see the dock floating like chasing the man back mm-hmm. in. Yeah. I'm like, well the the dock is attached to that chain, so the dock would be trailing from the shark. So the yeah. shark So the shark's ahead of the, the dock. Yeah, yeah, so it should be right on the guy. Yeah. I, that guy outswam a great white shark. I don't think yeah. so. Like I, yeah. I don't. Maybe, maybe, was, right. maybe it wasn't a shark. No, it was no fin. It was, no, stupid. No, it's, yeah. it, I, it's the, it's the Say least it. good scene in the mm. whole film. Yeah, but it's closely followed by one of my favorite <laughs> scenes in the whole film, though, when they're in the harbor and it's utter chaos with everybody trying to get themselves together to go out and hunt the shark. It's yes. madness. The water is filled with utter morons. Mm-hmm. Utter, mm-hmm. utter morons at that point, which is, is great. Really quickly, also want to add in that uh, this movie we get two that's not funny at all. Mm-hmm. Because Brody, Brody has says. his in the scene as well. Yep. When, uh, when Hendrix is telling him about the two men in the, on the dock with, the, with, his, with his wife's rope. So not often you get two that's not funny at all in a movie. So see, this movie gives you everything you want. <laughs> Quite often don't get one. No, you know, yeah, often. Yeah. Do we need to start counting that? Is that something that we need to look out for? Like, that's not funny, that's not funny at all in future films? I think so. It is now. So so to to take a tally, then, we're going to keep track of great backhanded spit wipes. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. And how many not funny at alls in a movie. All right. Yep. I'm actually writing it down. Jaws will reign supreme in both categories. So shortly after the the real villain gets fully exposed for for his ways, because we go to the, um, the coroner's office and Hooper looks at the remains of Chrissy Watkins. Th- that scene, again, this isn't my favourite scene, but Hooper is is so good in that scene. So, firstly, his face when the remains are brought out in just a small drawer, right? It's mm-hmm. That's horrific. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he's, he's got total command of the room. The, the coroner's kind of shying away. And then Brody sparks up a cigarette and he, he sparks at him. Do not smoke in here. Partially denuded bone remaining. This was no boat accident. Did you notify the Coast Guard about this? No. It was only local jurisdiction. The left arm, head, shoulders, sternum, and portions of the rib cage are intact. Do not smoke in here. Thank you very much. He's, just, he's completely in his element at this point. It's, uh, it's great. Hooper's fantastic, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, I actually... I mean, I love... Roy Scheider, but I think Richard Dreyfus is the and as good as Robert Shaw is as Quinn, I still think Richard Dreyfus is the MVP of the of the movie. I think he's amazing. He'll come up later on. After that, they um they catch well, some of these idiots catch a, a tiger shark, and there's much rejoicing on the dock. This is where Brody introduces uh Hooper to the mayor. I love that bit. 
because the mayor's just completely disinterested, completely ignores him, just keeps on walking, Brody's talking at him, and he barely looks at Hooper and walks away. Because <laughs> the mayor good. is out for, he, he's like thinking of all the political points he's yeah, going to yeah, get yeah. by the, the fact that the, the shark's just been Yeah, caught. the guys are all kind of posturing to have the photograph taken. He's, yeah. he's interested in the commotion over there, and this guy who uh, is actually going to save the day, he's just not interested, well, is he? He doesn't care if they caught the right shark. He just wants the photo of a shark. captured and killed a large predator that mm -hmm. supposedly injured some bathers. That's amazing. Supposedly That's all he cares about. Yep. Um, so uh, I, I, a great line reading in this scene when uh, the one guy says, what kind of shark is it? And Hooper <laughs> says, tiger shark. And that guy says, oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> What kind of a shark is it? I don't know. I think it's from a cove. Got a deep throat, Pratt. Yeah, well, but what kind? What kind of shark? It's a tiger shark. A what? I just, like, imagine when I watch that scene that, like, Spielberg is a director, hearing him deliver the line like that and being like, yep, yeah, uh, that's good. We'll go with that. Let's move on. Next. Next setup. It's such a weird way to say it's it. So, they, they, I think the those small little moments of dialogue from all three of those fishermen are just slightly weird. There's that guy that's poking the shark with something. And yeah, was, oh, I think it's a macaw. <laughs> a macaw? He's just constantly prodding yeah. it, isn't he? As if prodding it will help him figure out whether it's a macaw or not. And I don't even think it's macaw. I think it's mako. I just assume. Yeah. Well, and then there's the guy, and I'm going to talk about him later, that's like, and your mothers will be sorry that they met you. That, that yeah. guy in his whole so. That's Ben Gardner, isn't it? Is the, it? Yeah, I think that's Ben Gardner. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I again, this might be verging onto like slightly big stuff, but I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that Ben Gardner, the the actor that played him, was like a real character on the island where they filmed it, and that's who they based Quint on, or or some of oh, okay. how they based mm -hmm. Quint. Kind of an insult to Ben Gardner, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> Hooper has doubts about the shark being the shark. And then um, or shortly after that, Mrs. Kintner arrives to put Brody in his place, sort of. How old do we think she is? Oh, mm. Because I, I, I can never buy that she's Alex's mum. Well, let's work it back a little bit. So how old do we think Alex is? Like 12? Like yeah. yeah. So that makes her in her 40s? Yeah. Does she, she look in her forties? I mean, she maybe she could be late forties. Yeah. Okay. Is that who's the dude with her? Is that her husband? Because he's it's really gotta be old. her father. It's got to be. That Alex's guy looks grandpa. exactly like my grandpa. <laughs> so is it your grandpa? <laughs> is I, he apparently in it? I'm related to the Kintners. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We'll go with that. So I'm I'm just going to throw out two little things on on Mrs. Brody's age. Um, number one, uh, people, I think. I think you can come up with lots of examples that people maybe aged a little differently, even as much as 50 years ago as they mm -hmm. do now. <laughs> yeah. So the idea that, you know, that maybe she was 32 and just looked old. But I would also throw out there the idea that Spielberg, as a filmmaker, is capturing his view of things. And he has, again, which kind of doesn't match up with this movie altogether because... But he has such an adolescent view of the world in a lot of his films that that's how adults feel to adolescents, like they're mm. super old, even yeah, though they're yeah. only 32. And so I think it's probably his impression of what 
the parent of a 12 year old would look like in the mind in his mind as a filmmaker did you want to mention anything else about um that whole scene yeah uh just uh, this actually goes back if anybody uh listened to our untouchables podcast and we laughed about the times when um elliot ness would would say something and immediately contradict himself there's a moment in this scene where he says it's a hundred to one shot but then like two seconds later he says it probably is the shark yeah <laughs> and i'm like well wait what is, is it a long shot or are you is it the shark like he gets his point across though yeah. He's trying to be polite. He's trying to say, you know, it probably is. I think he's just trying to get people to listen to him, isn't he? Because mm. no one cares. Yeah. yeah, he doesn't do that. He's not. He knows it's a hundred to one. It's more like a thousand to yeah. one. Yeah, I mean, he knows. He so actually, he actually knows that it's not the shark. Yeah, yeah. I love the way he's told to get out of the way when you know he's measuring the the jaws, yeah. and they're like, "What they care about?" Okay, I said it before. Just mm-hmm. their photograph. Get out of the way. He's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Yeah. Trying to do his job again. That's all they care about. They just want the photo up. Yep. So yeah, that means um, because Mrs. Kittner came along and confronted Brody, he's had a pretty bad day. So he goes home and he doesn't eat his dinner. So the scene in his house is my favorite scene in the film, yep. which sounds ridiculous, basically because it's a it's film about sharks and boats and stuff. But I, it's I liken it to. My favorite scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark, which is before all of the action starts, the two military intelligence people come and, and recruit Indy to try and find the Lost Ark, which is my favorite scene in that film. It's a bit like that. It's just this sort of really gentle kind of beautifully played out scene of just people talking in a room. Uh, yeah, it is my favorite scene in the film. Yeah, no Good. question. Yeah. Are you talking about the uh, the son imitating the dad as well? That whole thing, yeah. From the moment we're in the Brody house uh, to the point at which they they leave to go and cut the shark open, that whole that whole sequence, I love. Yeah, that part with the kid imitating the uh, Brody is uh, Spielberg was the kid was just doing it. Yeah, and again, Spielberg observed it and decided to put it in the movie. Just great instincts all the time. Mm-hmm. It's amazing, yeah. and and I just I love the way. It's such a small thing, but I guess that's the point, is that when Brody, Brody leans in and goes, give us a kiss, mm-hmm. that's a great line because that's what people say. They mm-hmm. they say stuff like that to their kids, like little throwaway informal lines. I mean, you just don't see that in other movies. Yeah, and there's no. the show, the, the Hooper arrives and, you know, uh, Ellen answers the door. And again, we've kind of background scene, but... You know, obviously, there's there's stuff going on in the foreground with with Brody, and you hear the brief interaction. He's saying, "Oh, I really want to talk to her, or him rather," and she says, "Yes, so do I." So would I, yeah, yeah, and um, that's great. Just and then Hooper approaches Brody, and they don't say much until he says, "How was your day?" <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> it's so natural, and they both kind of look broken, but um. In a kind of it shared way. It attention too, though. Yeah. Because they laugh. Yeah. And then I love Brody pulling over the food and just starts eating it. Oh, who? But yeah, he just yeah, says, yeah. Is anybody eating this? And just dives and right immediately in. Immediately picks it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anybody eating this? And, and my favorite part of that scene is when Hooper tells, to, tells Brody to let the wine breathe. Yeah. And he proceeds to just ignore him and pour an entire tumbler of wine. <laughs> an entire tumbler of wine, a tumbler that already had something in it. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. something already in it. And. Then he then he proceeds to pour um, Ellen and um, Hooper a glass, and they're 
properly measured. But he yeah. gets an entire tumbler with something else already in it. Probably water, I guess. But so yeah. my my notes on this scene, it's one word. It just says wine, exclamation mark. <laughs> because I, I love that whole thing. When you, when Hooper tells him, you, should, you know, you should probably let that break. Nothing, nothing, nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and his whole thing about how the, why he loves sharks. He saw a shark take apart a boat. He, he says the word oar hooks. Yeah. Is that a thing? Are oar hooks a thing? Um, I feel the, like... The things that oars go in. Which... But I think in the UK they're called rollocks. Rollocks, yeah. I always rollocks. knew they were rollocks, yeah. yeah. But maybe they're called oar hooks in the United States. Again, right in. I'm landlocked, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Call yourself a sailor. Yeah, well, we, we know that Chris isn't going anywhere near the water, so it's fine. I, I just like... Uh, I, I just love... Maybe it's the wine. Maybe maybe it's that glass of wine. But the, the confidence at the end of the scene when Brody says, I'm chief of police. I can do anything. I'm I just love police. the way he says yeah. it. Mm-hmm. So we're going to jump ahead to the the attack in the pond in inverted commas. I guess that's what they call the estuary of the the beach area. Michael is sailing in the pond with his two or three mates. <laughs> One of his friends is really grumpy. He's like, yes. just get that undone. Get the, yeah. get that undone there. Yeah. Like, just chill out, man. It's just, you know. It's 4th just... of July, right? What's your problem? They're in a boat in an estuary. It's not even yours. You just freeload in here. Yeah. And he's just, what is he, the captain? <laughs> just hate him. He's just like, just get it done. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> it should have been him that got eaten. Yeah. Not the guy. Oh, the yeah. guy was coming to help. He's going to help. Mm-hmm. So we see the shark get its victim in the estuary, and then all hell breaks loose at that point. Um, but before then, um, we see the, the mayor asking folks or persuading folks to go into the water. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand this bit. Right? Firstly, why do they agree to do it? And secondly, I don't really understand why it matters. Right, the beaches are open. Mm-hmm. Everyone's there. Mm-hmm. Right, so it's not like at this point, it's not like more people are coming. What does it matter? All the the population who are going to come there appear to be there anyway. I don't really understand it. You might have some small revenue off inflatables if people go into the water, but I don't, I don't really understand it. And ultimately, it causes, well, maybe it doesn't cause a problem, but I think it detracts or rather distracts the police and the the coast guard or whoever doing their job ultimately i think i i think i have an answer to your question Mm -hmm. if the the people sitting are just sitting on the beach not having fun and they've paid to be there that day but the mayor is worried about like who's going to come back to sit on a beach he wants people in the water having fun swimming enjoying a summer vacation and and that's, I think that's why he's, he's also paid up. a lot of money for a ring, a protective ring of boats. <laughs> yeah. So do you think it's forward planning on the mayor's part? He's thinking about yeah. next summer and these people, we want these people to come back. Next summer, next week, mm. right? Like, yeah, they, they have a brief, as, as they made clear in the meeting, they, you know, 24 hours is like three weeks. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, we need these people having a good time and coming back um, and telling friends about how much fun they'd have if they visited Amity. So that's why he's concerned about, it's not just that you're there, but 
you need to have fun so that this continues. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. That's fair. Because they I, can go down. The, they can go to Cape Cod. They can go down the Long Island. They could. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just. Uh, before I forget, you know they they've given all of the different boats like code names, yeah, like Daisy and, and what have you. First of all, how are you going to remember? Like you've literally just thrown this this group <laughs> of people together, and every single boat has a different code name. And yeah, are you, yeah. you're gonna oh wait, wait, which one's Daisy? Is Daisy that one, or is it that one over there? I don't know. But one of them's called Fascinating Rhythm. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So my point was going to be that. The kids with the the shark fin mm-hmm. to distract the guys trying to do their job to a degree, which I actually think, if they hadn't done that, potentially, the mayor's plan and um, Brody's plan to, you know, kind of protect the beach in the way they did would have worked. But it took it took they took their eye off the ball because yeah. of the kids with the Those fin. idiots. Yeah. 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 There's a great shot, actually, of Brody. as a panning shot as he's sprinting. He's getting mm-hmm. faster and faster through the crowd. And they pan... You know, obviously, this, they pan with Brody, and this, you know he's running behind people and stuff. It's just such a good shot. The, it's got the urgency as he's speeding up. You can almost... It almost shows you his thought process. Yeah. Like, he becomes more panicked as the panning continues. Yeah. It's great. And then, ultimately, he actually gets in the water this time. So you Because it's his own son, I guess, yeah. is uh, the... Um, the safety nets have come off at that point for him. They have the quick scene in the hospital <laughs> because Michael's in the hospital. They keep him overnight for mild <laughs> shock, by the way. Mm-hmm. That seems a bit excessive. I don't know. Is the guy pushing the trolley with Michael on the guy from the beach at the start? Because he looks very similar. He looks like James Hunt again. Oh, maybe. I don't know if that was done on purpose. I don't know. I didn't go back and check. Looks very similar. Anyway. So, what, um, uh, as, as someone who lives in the United States, I am surprised they kept him overnight. Not that the hospital wanted to observe him, but I'm surprised insurance agreed to pay for that. So. <laughs> well, he's the chief of police, so his insurance will probably pay for anything. I should think, isn't it? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. A couple of things. Um, she asks him what ice cream he wants. He says coffee. What well, kid likes coffee ice cream? Is that mm. that's not right? Is it? No, doesn't make sense. No. no, no. I mean, he's a very sophisticated. Clearly, kid. Yeah. Well, he's from New York. You know, he yeah. probably. Well, yeah. speaking of, when Brody tells his wife to take Sean back home, she says, "Back to New York?" Question mark. Mm-hmm. I think that's a low blow. Yeah. That's low. It's pretty low. It's mistake. basically her saying, "Yeah, it's like it's her saying, I don't like it here." Yep. It's bad. I just think she just needs to rein it in a smidge. That's all. Well, I mean, in her defense, her son was almost eaten by a shark, so I don't blame her for not liking it there. Yeah. Well, okay. Fine. I'll give her a pass. Okay. I don't. It doesn't sound like you're really giving her the pass. Though. No, I'm not. No. Yeah, I didn't think so. Did you want to do your hot take now? Because the, the mayor and Brody have the the conversation in the hospital. Yeah, let's go ahead. Let's do that. So the, the thing is, the mayor's not wrong. Okay, now... In the in the big picture of the entire scope of the movie, he up being wrong. But everything Hooper says about sharks is is wrong. He's, it's not true. That's not how sharks behave, and we aren't their food source. So 
the people, as we noted, wanted him to keep the beaches open. They were quite clear on that meeting. The the woman, the that's not funny at all woman, she was there on the beach when the kitten boy got eaten. She mm-hmm. was there and she still is like, no, keep the beach open. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would, as evidence that the mayor's not wrong, is this isn't how sharks behave. We know that now. We know a lot more about shark behavior now than we did back then. Sharks don't do this. He was right in his instincts that sharks aren't going to section off a territory of beach and eat people we're not their food they don't like eating us if there's a school of seals or sea lions somewhere he'll be off in that direction anyway so um if he was going to shut the beaches down it was going to kill their business and most likely wasn't going to affect anything because under normal circumstances sharks don't behave this way this is a bizarrely behaving shark so i I think the mayor by the way mayor uh in jaws too gets reelected. he's back yeah and he does the same thing um, again by the way yeah so i think the people understood that as well that he really he really was just looking out for the best interests of the town and himself yes i I mean you know the re-election is quite a key point you make there chris i mean it's uh because in that conversation with Brody, it sounds like he's working on his speech to to kind of exonerate himself from blame. Mm-hmm. You know, Brody's talking at him, and he's sort of not he's listening. Mumbling he's mumbling. He's mumbling, and if you listen to what he's saying, he's kind of coming up with reasons why he made the decisions that he did. Um, but in order for for Brody's like to close the beaches, then you'd have to close like the entire eastern seaboard of the United States. Because if they don't swim there, then just like how the chief says, they'll go down to Cape Cod or Long Island. Well, the shark will too. I, I just don't. Yeah, so not it's not their shark... problem anymore. Mm. Perfect. <laughs> I'm just saying this isn't how sharks behave, and the mayor was right in his instincts that this isn't normal shark behavior. And now it turns out this wasn't a normal shark, and he was wrong in the long run. I'll concede that. But in the moment, I I think he was. He was making the right call. But he, he didn't make that call. To... He didn't make that call because he had some kind of insight into normal shark behavior. He made that call from a purely uh, selfish point of view. Um, so, while well, I, I don't can... think it's, I don't know if it's selfish. I think he's, I think he's doing his job. He's he just, looking out for the it's first a poli- constituents. It's a political, a political point of view with a large dose of self-interest. Yeah, that's what I think. Sorry, Chris. You're outvoted. I like you. Actually, I think on balance, I don't think some of his decisions, the way they opened the beach and had that kind of ring of defense, I think that, as I mentioned, I think that works unless you get idiots in with shark fins. So I actually think that was a pretty decent compromise. It just well, didn't work out. Like, like I said, the whole thing works if we weren't dealing with what happens to be, I think, the most intelligent, psychotic shark in the world yeah again the no, ba- like sharks don't behave this way this isn't people go free diving with great whites now like we've learned a lot about these animals they're not what, not again, me Hooper doesn't know anything about sharks as it turns out yeah. he's completely wrong <laughs> so um they definitely don't climb up on boats and eat sea captains and no. stuff i don't know but uh have you not seen jules again in the long run he was right the, they were right because uh, the shark was a psycho, but he, how was the mayor supposed to know that? Okay. We I'm should done. do Sharknado with you, Chris. I mean, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, we really shouldn't. No. Um, speaking of cost, you mentioned like that you mentioned it earlier, like having to pay quite a lot of money to build the, the ring of, um, the ring of boats and mm-hmm. all of how many, how many people in those boats were there? There were a lot of, yeah. 
like freeloaders, various police, and yeah. I don't know whoever. And the, the but they didn't want they didn't want to like cough up the ten thousand to pay Quint. But they they'll pay all of the guys different budgets for the Fourth of July weekend politics. <laughs> it's yeah. It's a helicopter flying over. It gets yeah. a Coast Guard helicopter. You know. Well, the three thousand dollars that wasn't coming from the government, right? Oh no, that's from Mrs. Kittner. Mrs. Isn't Kittner, it? I think, yeah. with the bounty out. So no, but but um, Quint says it's going to take more than three thousand. It's going to take ten thousand. Right. So you need to decide whether you want to ante up or whether you're going to spend the winter right. on welfare. So he's saying that you need to pay me. It's not just going to be yeah. Mrs. Kintner's money. So yeah, the, the mayor's tight, but also doesn't mind spending money on all of that law enforcement anyway. Could be he didn't want to give it to Quinn. Yeah. Yeah, didn't didn't trust him. I don't blame him. No. <laughs> he is a bit of a loose cannon, as we mm. find out later on. <laughs> so yeah, well, let's let's talk about that. So they go to Quint Shack when they finally decide they are going to to pay him. Quint Shack is great. I'm that's, just going to say scene that scene is good, isn't it? Yeah. Do you know yeah. how to so, tie a sheep shank? No, but Hooper does. Yeah. What I do like about that is that Quint doesn't care. No. Hooper does this away. really great knot. He throws. He, he literally he throws it at him and he just bats it away. Like I don't care that you can do that. Look at your hands. <laughs> he didn't even tell him how short he wanted it. No. One of my most fascinating things in that scene, in this scene, by the way, did you guys catch a look at Quint's groceries? No. Uh, when he when he goes over to the pot of uh, shark jaws that he's stewing, yeah. There's a little shelf of groceries. There's a bottle of ketchup, a bottle of Heinz ketchup. There's a couple of things of um, Campbell's tomato soup. Okay, he likes tomato based products. Yeah, he's just, he's got some groceries sitting on the shelf. What's he doing boiling? The thing. I don't know what that is. Is he just cleaning it to then hang it up? Uh, probably. Yeah, another trophy for I, his wall. Trophy for his wall. And my guess is, they never say this, but my guess is he probably sells them as souvenirs and trinkets. Mm. Yeah. But the boiling is just to clean it, I guess. Yeah. 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 Or, I know, you make some nice soup out of it. Shark. 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 Jaw, jaw soup. Tooth. Shark, shark, <laughs> shark soup. So there's a line in there, and this isn't really necessarily a small stuff line, but I'm going to make a small stuff association with it. So there's there's the line I'm talking about shocking for a living. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love to use that um, when I'm playing sports. If, if somebody makes like a hardworking play, I'll I'll yell that out. I'm talking about shocking for a living. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and you know basketball, somebody goes and gets a hard rebound and puts it back in, or something mm-hmm. like that, or playing hockey, somebody digs the puck out of the corner. Yeah, I love yelling that line out. I'm talking about shocking for a living. So no one else, no one else around you understands what you're saying, but mm-hmm. you do. So one person, okay. uh, there's one person that is with me that uh, enjoys it when I say it. Everybody else probably doesn't. Yeah, and you it. keep doing it just oh, for that one person. <clears throat> yeah, maybe they think you know I'm a seafaring man. Who knows? The scene on Quint's dock where they're sort of loading up all of the equipment into the boat. I think that scene's fantastic. Ellen is is following Brody in he's got his his gear and she's reminded yeah yeah, he's reminding (laughs) he's being reminded about his socks and the stuff for his nose and all along that all that's all going on and then all you can hear in the background is Quint just barking like obscenities and stupid like maritime jokes and 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 little shanties did you take your drum yes 
I put an extra pair of glasses in there. Black socks and and there's the stuff you know, the zinc oxide and blistex is in the kit. It's clearly in his element. Right, he's he's getting sort of pumped to go out onto the seas, yeah. but it's brilliant because we get the the shark cage come across, and you know he, he warns someone to you know make sure there's enough space for that, and it crashes down, and he's he's ranting as somebody. <laughs> And again, the whole thing. So she's doing this very, Ellen's doing this very simple thing of just reminding him what he's got in his bags. Yeah. And all you can hear in the background is, is Quint barking at people. Brilliant. And I a little it. rant about how little girls aren't as smart as their grandmothers. Yeah, what's he going on about? He's just I talking know. nonsense all the time. <laughs> but then to also to take it back down to earth, you talk about Ellen talking about mundane things. The chief says to his wife, um, don't use the fireplace downstairs. I haven't, I haven't quite finished it. <laughs> <laughs> it's the middle of summer yeah. you're not going to need to use the fireplace it's yeah, fine you might get cold in the evenings on the coast you never know I didn't have this in my notes but let me ask you guys uh, your opinion uh, Ellen runs off crying mm-hmm. a little bit of an overreaction yeah I don't know it's pretty scary I, Quinn clearly has a bit of a reputation on the island for being a bit of a, a loose cannon as I said earlier and she's watching her or rather not watching her husband sail off Bearing in mind he hates boats and he's sailing off to catch a shark that has already killed multiple people on the island with an absolute lunatic at the helm. I I think it's fair. Yeah. Plus she can't use the downstairs fireplace. So, you know. Well, maybe, maybe that's why she's upset. Yeah. Oh, you haven't finished you know, it. And outrageous. Book, uh, in the book, she's having an affair with Hooper. That's right. Yeah. So maybe she's really crying over Hooper because she was hoping he'd come over and use the fireplace with her. <laughs> she didn't know he was going to go. So, yeah, yeah. I was really hoping that <clears throat> Hooper wasn't going to go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's it. And then, of course, we see the orchid depart and it's going out to sea. And still, Quint is just, I mean, no one's talking to him. He's just, he's gone mad. He's just singing and joking and laughing and no one is talking. I think you nailed it on the head when you said, He's just in his element. He's yeah. just, this is what he lives for, right? The the promise of another voyage. By the way, Andy, Jess can basic, vouch for this. This is basically what I was like at Graceland, so. Good. Just Good. singing and just ranting. And, and shouting and. Oh, excellent. Sea shanties, you know. Yeah, saying stupid things. Yeah, yeah. Rude, lewd Annoying jokes. Annoying everybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Women running away crying. I understand that part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I saw that many times. All right, in an unprecedented step, we aren't finished with the small stuff, but we're going to take a break. So conveniently, Jaws actually splits itself up nicely in two parts, doesn't it? The the island part and the orca part. So I thought that was why that was a good moment to have a quick break. But we'll go go straight on to the, the, the action on the orca. The first scene that is worth mentioning potentially is um, when they they get their first bite. And he starts uh, he starts having to trying to reel him in. Just the shot where. Um... And I'll mention it again, the, the, the sound of the, the, the line being slowly pulled out. Um, oh, the clicks. Yeah, Quint just mm. side-eyeing the, uh, the reel as it's slowly drawn out. It's so good. I love that. Yeah. I love that shot. It's brilliant. And then the contraption CT put, puts himself into is 
it's so inadequate, uh, which, as we see. <laughs> well, yeah, for this particular yeah, yeah, job, yeah. it's inadequate. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm not strapping myself into something that I'm attaching to a shark. Yeah, quite. I was, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. The, the thing that's going to happen here is you're going to get pulled out to sea. Yeah. yeah. It pulled well, the cleats out. Yeah. I, so, again, we are working on the assumption that it's an ordinary shark, though, right? And Quint has already proven by all of the shark skeletons or whatever they are, jaws on his wall, that he can catch sharks. He knows what he's doing. So yeah. it's obviously worked many times before that, um, I don't know, the fishing they, chair, whatever it is. They do make the point several times. Has you ever seen one do this before? Yeah. They do it more than once. Mm-hmm. I have a question for you guys, because um, I think this is kind of like we'd go under unanswerable questions. Who's right about the first catch? Is it is it Quint or is it is it Hooper? Quint says it was the shark. Hooper's like, no, it wasn't. Well, Hooper doesn't think it's a shark. And he th- that's all he's saying is, right, it's not a shark. It's He has no proof of that. He just doesn't think it is. Mm-hmm. And then, it, then the, the piano wire breaks and it's like, yeah, it probably was a shark. Yeah, that's my take. Yeah, so yeah, I think it was. Hooper says that proves nothing. Yeah. And that's when Quinn has his line, proves you city boys don't. Yeah. Okay, so, well, we I guess we don't know then, do we? No, I... It's got to be, it's I, the shark. I mean, it's the shark just toying with them, just playing with them. I think, right, if it was just a normal shark, it wouldn't be the shark. This is a super intelligent shark that is spiteful and vindictive. Yeah. I've just remembered there's one thing I wanted to mention that, that Quint says. I think it's just after the gas cylinder gets knocked over or gets like <clears throat> he pulls the wrong line or whatever and the, the gas cylinder rolls across the floor and he says, that's fancy equipment, Mr. Hooper. I don't know what that shark's going to be doing with it. I've seen one eat a rocking chair once. Yeah. <laughs> 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 what? what? Okay, I would like to know the circumstances when Quint got to see a shark eat a rocking chair. Yeah, <laughs> was that what he had on his boat before he had the the maybe, fishing chair? Maybe that's it. He just maybe had that, a rocking chair back. Yeah, then. he just bailed out before yeah. he got pulled overboard, and uh, that's it. Hey, I'd watch a Quint prequel. Yeah. Oh, so would I. They need to make yeah. that. That's oh my a God, great. As soon as you that's said a great it, great idea. We'd find out how the shark ate the rocking chair. Yes, we that definitely. Would be oh my goodness, movies. that would be an amazing film. Yeah, yeah make it ha- make it happen, Chris. You're All the right, you're the right. you're the writer amongst this. Do pull, it. Pull some strings. Get it yeah. done. Uh, then they have the the first real sighting of the shark with the the famous bigger boat line, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Chris, I mean, we've all got something to say here. So, Chris, why don't you start? Well, first of all, it almost spawned a great game company, Jess. I'll say that. But um, the um, uh, the line uh, that's a twenty footer. Yeah. 25 three tons of them that's a that's that is a well-used family line uh that my children have adopted anytime anything of any especially surprising size occurs <laughs> in our life somebody will say that's a 20 footer and somebody will respond 25 three tons <laughs> of them that's good. sure it's 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 probably the best sign that, that i've actually done some good parenting in my life yeah i was gonna say exactly that kids. To, to do that You've raised them well Chris yeah. I this is another reason why I think uh, Richard Dreyfus is the MVP of the movie his physicality in the scene where they're trying to get the barrel tied up and he's got he runs down and grabs the tracker and he he jumps back on he climbs through the window of the 
the the orca and slides in and starts tying the mm-hmm. thing off and he just his physicality is so good i've never thought of richard dreyfus in that way but this is young richard dreyfus and he's just yeah. he's so light on his feet and he moves so well and he just he looks so at home doesn't he run up to the the bridge and he goes rig another barrel i'm gonna i'm coming around again and yeah, he's yeah. just mm-hmm. we talk about quint in his element earlier this is hooper in his element it's so great yeah Quint's got the, the call from the shore and um, Ellen's inquiring how things are going and just his garbled response, whatever it is he we says. We just caught a couple of stripers or something, yeah, yeah, he it's says. Just, it's just absolute nonsense. Uh, we'll be back for dinner, yada, yada. He just yeah. slams them. He just says over and out. He doesn't yeah, yeah. give them a chance. He's just absolute yeah. contempt. He's yeah. just not interested. Then the turn... I don't know. I don't want to call it the turning point of the film. I don't know. There's a... when Just after they've eaten dinner... They compare scars. Quint tells the tale of the Indianapolis. Chris, over to you. All right. So, I'm, I'm Jess, I apologize. I'm breaking protocol here. I'm pausing from don't forget the small stuff because I just I can't not acknowledge the speech. Like my um, personal opinion, I'm not saying it's the greatest speech in movie history. I'm saying it's my favorite speech in movie history that I've ever seen. And it's the most brilliantly delivered speech scene um if we were doing an all-time oscars i would nominate shaw as um best supporting actor all time mm-hmm. not even nominated for an oscar that year by Which the way just scandalous just stunning and yeah this the, the uss indianapolis speech to me it's why i love movies mm-hmm. moments written like that delivered like that movies are also visual for me but that's secondary I'm about character and, and, and the writing. It was my favorite thing in movies, and that's as good as it is. It just didn't get better. So I'm sorry it's not, it's not small stuff, but I had to say it. No, it's all good. I, you can't ignore it. It's impeccable, isn't it? Like you say, it's 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 the story in itself, obviously, is harrowing, but the way he delivers it is it's, it's remarkable. It's so, it's so brilliant. I, I Yeah, I agree. I, I'll bring it into the small stuff just briefly, though, because there's a... Inc- I would say it's a, a moment of genius right at the beginning of that speech when Hooper is still laughing and joking and to calm him down and to kind of recalibrate the conversation, Quint just leans over and touches his arm and he says, Hooper, that's the USS Indianapolis. And that, that touch mm-hmm. of the arm is, for me, it's what kicks the whole speech off and it just means that no you need to just settle down a minute here buddy this is important this is serious it's like hold my beer here we go and a a good show not tell and you've been talking quite a bit jess about dreyfus's performance in this movie and dreyfus's reaction Mm -hmm. to that is incredible yep he kind of does a little kind of cough laugh and then he's like whoa okay yeah he kind of can't breathe yeah what's that one what that one there on your arm Oh, it's a tattoo. I got that removed. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Mother. (laughs) (laughs) What is (laughs) that? Mr. that's the USS Indianapolis. All right, we'll let you have that, Chris. Good point. Okay, well so made. Right. 
So we're going to skip a few scenes because I want to talk about the moment they managed to get the the ropes t- um, tied off on the stern cleats. And essentially they start getting dragged by the shark backwards through the water. And Hooper's yelling, it's impossible, it's impossible. And just that whole sequence is incredible. Yeah, As an action sequence with the water just spray everywhere the boats filling up the because that would happen obviously when you're being pulled backwards through the water and the 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 rear of the boat is flat Mm -hmm. and it's wavy it's going to be buffeting and bashing and i just think that whole sequence is filmed so incredibly well i don't know how they did the audio whether they they dubbed it in later but how do you how do you record the people yelling in that moment and it's just I don't know enough about filmmaking, but I, it's just awesome. I love that whole sequence. So right after that, and the boat is starting to noticeably sink. So uh, Quinn hands out life vests mm-hmm. to the other two. Those are the most disgusting looking <laughs> life vests that I've ever. They're like all greasy and like black with grime, and oh my gosh! I, first, like, how old are they, and how long have they been sitting there molding and? Ugh, just disgusting. I think I'd, I wouldn't put it on. I'd be like, whatever. I'll take your chances. I don't know. Yeah, that's gross. They do then change their plan, and Quint's plan is like, we're gonna, we're gonna head it into, we're gonna take it into the shallows and drown him. We're gonna draw him in and drown him. Yeah. That was those are the words, aren't they? He is pushing the engine clearly beyond beyond its capabilities, given the um, the uh, damage it's endured so far, and there's a comical amount of black smoke just billowing out of the entire boat i think it's just shortly after the engine decides it's not going to work anymore there's a there's a brilliant little musical motif um quint's looking around the boat and there's a little um motif of um farewell to you old spanish ladies wherever that oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's a little <laughs> little note that he's looking uh forlorn at his broken boat yeah it's basically uh, playing the same song back to quint isn't it yeah saying <laughs> yeah okay you're done now it's a nice little touch then they kind of basically last resort, right? Hooper says it. Do you have any better suggestions? I've got to go down in the shark cage and try and poison this guy. Watching it last night, taking notes, which I'm pausing a lot, and 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 I'm very hyper aware of how many minutes are left in the movie throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. I was shocked that this happens with 15 minutes left. If you had asked me off the top of my head, again, seeing this movie many, many times, I would have said, oh, the Dreyfus goes into the water. There must be at least a half hour left, maybe more. This is like the second final scene, basically. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I, I just, it shocked me that, that that's... Um, and I don't know if it's because... This might be the fastest two-hour movie I've ever seen. Like, mm-hmm. everything just speeds along. It just It's so seamless in how it goes from scene to scene. The editing in this movie is incredible. Um, that I, I guess that's partly, partly why it catches me off guard. I do want to mention, though, as a small stuff thing, I find it interesting that Richard Dreyfus can't say the word suggestions. <laughs> does he not say? Does he not say suggestions? He says, "You got any better suggestions?" <laughs> like, I, it's like almost slurred out. Like maybe he dipped into Quint's uh, little brew there a little <laughs> bit without us knowing. Because well, maybe he he's not the MVP. <laughs> he can't say the word. It's suggestions. There's a, a lot of shing in there, so yeah, that that always stands out to me. I always enjoy that. Is is his uh, shark cage really bad, or is it just 
the shark is incredibly strong. The second thing, I think it's the shark yeah. is incredibly. I mean, it's just it's a regular shark cage, right? I don't know. Yeah, it looks like it's made yeah. of foil. Well, I think that's probably intentional on the filmmaker's perspective to you know to show us how strong our shark is. But keep in mind, this is a shark that um, Quint had never seen a shark take down two barrels before, mm-hmm. and this one takes down three. So. Yeah. There you have but, it. But he still goes in. To because, the, do you have any better suggestion? Well, Sorry. Suggestions? <laughs> no. This one's a little bit of a, just a question for you guys, actually. Uh, you're, you're Brody. You're on the mast. It's sinking. You're eyeing down the shark. You're, um, uh, he's, try, he's, he's trying to hit the, the, the tank, right? Like, yeah, he says multiple occasions. Tank. He says, blow up. He keeps saying blow up. Show me the tank or something. He says that, doesn't he? Right. So you have to save the last bullet for yourself, right? Oh, no. No? No. Hold it. Is he using a rifle? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think. I don't know. I think you you put every last effort into killing the shark. You have to. Not me. Yeah. Okay. So you've got a bullet left, Chris. You've got a bullet left. The shark's right there. The tank's in your face. You could just shoot the tank. No, I'm going to save it for me. No, you, you shoot the end. tank. No, I'm th- I'm saving the last bullet for myself. There's no way I'm that. I'm not because we're <laughs> going to get this later on, right? There, there are d- different ways to die, and uh, I'm not getting eaten by a shark. No, nope. right. <laughs> that's well, not how I'm going we'll, out. So. Yeah, we've already established that there's a yeah, that's a thing. Andy, what about you? No, I, I agree with you actually. I um, it's funny. I've gone through my life thinking that um, this is not a tough watch, but it is. I, I, I found myself looking away at Quint's demise. Yeah. I, can't, I can't watch it. I don't want to watch it. It's horrible. It's, I mean, obviously, it's, it's, it's fairly badly done by today's standards, but it, it's just disgusting. And I put myself in this situation. I'm projecting myself into that situation, and I can't bear it. Mm. Um, I can't bear it at all. So I'm torn, actually. I think the rifle, it'd be, if it was a pistol, I think it might be a little easier to make a quick uh, quick decision. But with a rifle, I mean, I wouldn't even know how to... <laughs> no, the logistics of yeah, doing yeah, that. True. <laughs> now, I just think it's your very last moment. You're either going to shoot the tank in the shark or shoot yourself. I don't know. I think you'd, you you maximise your chance of killing the shark, I think. How many how many bullets in the chamber or in that in the magazine? You think not many, like eight. What is it? So you know you're reducing your chances of by you know whatever it is twelve percent or, or something. Yeah. But you're reducing your chances of being eaten alive by a shark by a hundred percent, and uh, okay. that's where I'm going on this. Fine. All right, my other thing I wanted to to bring up was um, even before he's blowing up, there's no way this was worth it for Bruce. Bruce the shark, right? right? Yeah, yeah. So just kind of cataloging, like, what are some of the things that happens to Bruce because he decides to pick this fight? He gets three barrels shot into him with, you know, spears attached to the end, basically. He gets shot several times by Quint's pistol, or uh, rifle, I mean, and shoots the shark several times with the rifle. Brody shoots it several times with a pistol. Brody... Or uh, Hooper, when he's in the cage, stabs the shark in the head <laughs> repeatedly. With a knife. Yeah. Yep. I also believe there's a moment where Brody stabs the shark. Yeah, yeah, with the spear thing. Spear. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, just go hunt some seals, dude. 
Like, how is this worth this? And again, and sharks don't even like eating people. No, he gets a this he gets a mouthful of wood and uh, an old guy. Yeah, yeah, uh, and also a mouthful of um, compressed air tank, air yeah. cylinder. Yeah, yeah. Right. Two days like, none of that's hunting. That's got to be for... fun for Bruce. Yeah, just go on a seal. Like, I mean, how badly is a seal going to hurt you? I, yeah. I know they have claws and stuff, but not getting stabbed by that spear, getting shot a bunch of times. That I feel bad. I feel bad for him. I do hate that yeah. shot. <laughs> My uh, my my uh, when I showed this movie to my youngest, the first time that was her reaction. She said it was not his fault. He was just being a shark. <laughs> well, yeah, fair. Ex- yeah, except he wasn't. He's you know an unusual shark. He was the black sheep of the family. <laughs> he was. Um, and then uh, my last thing here is uh, this would be my nomination for the best use of final credits ever. Which, first of all, they're super short, mm-hmm. and uh, I love the way um, it's shot from way far away, so you can barely see them. You can see they've made it to the beach okay, but barely, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you hear their dialogue. The music starts playing in over the top. I think it's just the perfect way to use end credits to end your movie, and I don't I don't really care for all these um, post-credit scenes that movies do. I think this, I like this better. Don't yeah. make me sit yeah. through eight minutes of CGI credits so I can see your last little dumb joke. This is just wrap up your story. These two guys make it back. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Sound. Agreed. Everything. Yeah, I agree. Uh, is it rivaled only by the outtakes of the Cannonball Run? <laughs> yeah, outtakes of the Cannonball Run. No, I mean, that talking. was good. That now, was, you're, now you're talking. Yeah. All right, cool, good. Well, um, that'll do it with the for the the small stuff. We'll take another break. All right, we're going to do the categories, but before we do the main categories, I just want to cover a couple of little things, quick hits, if you like. These these both came up when we did our Untouchables podcast, and, and we've sort of decided that maybe we'll keep our eyes open in future films for this. The correct use of binoculars, or the correct kind of representation of binoculars, uh, there are a lot of people looking through binoculars, especially in the fake Finn scene, mm-hmm. but we don't get to see through the binoculars. We don't get a POV view, so... Um, we can't can't make any comment on that, unfortunately. Um, but we also discussed uh, really bad ways to die. Again, this came from the Untouchables and the uh, the old Roman tradition of putting them in a bag with a rat after mm-hmm. cutting off their nose and throwing them in the river. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> so, um, quite a few people die in this film. They're all relatively similar. They all get eaten by a shark. They do. Is there a worst one? Who's got the worst death? For me, it's well, about knowing or not knowing you're going to be eaten by a shark. That's the difference. Okay. Because Quint knows. Right? Yeah. He's got time to understand what's happening. And that horrible bit where he's kind of dancing on the shark's nose. Mm-hmm. Right. Chrissy, no idea. Uh, guy in the estuary, probably no idea. Um, Alex Kittner. Alex Kittner, no idea. Pippet? No idea. No idea. Okay. No, so, okay, go ahead and finish, Andy. And then I'm no, no, I was back. about to say, uh, I'm I not sure. Say about I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's Quint. I think that's the worst. Just knowing that it's coming. And, no. then, and then actually the way it happens oh, is just God. horrendous. I yeah. hate it. Can so I vote for Pippet? Or does it have to be a person? No, no you can vote for whoever you want. No rules. Because here's why I think Pippet's might be worse. Because 
Well, you're absolutely right. There's the there's that those moments of sheer terror as you're trying to keep yourself from slipping in the shark's mouth, and then it shakes him around for a little bit before it actually crunches down and finishes the job. <sighs> I think Pippet probably got swallowed whole. Oh my so goodness. Pippet had to be like alive in the shark's stomach for this a little bit. This is not for animal lovers, this one, is it? Come oh, on. man. Uh, You're right, that, that's horrific. That's, the, that's my vote. Okay. Being alive in the stomach of an Whose animal. Whose idea just, was this? This is a terrible category. Mind. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I don't know. I think it is prob- for me it's probably Quint, but I do want to just say something about um, Chrissy Watkins because one of the things that makes her death so horrific is that she has no idea what's happening to her. She's getting pulled around in the ocean. She's like clings onto the boy for a little bit and then she gets pulled down. It's like this, this unknown force is causing her intense pain and whipping her around like a rag doll uh, before, before she dies. That, 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 that moment of not only terror, but uncertain terror and like, what the hell is happening? I think would, um, that's pretty horrific as well. But it's Quint. It's definitely Quint. All right, let's cheer things up a little bit. Let's let's visit audio. Let's right. visit audio <laughs> corner. Uh, Andy, what's your what's your favourite audio moment? Okay, uh, I've already mentioned the the clacking of the rod when uh, the 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 shark takes first bite. But for me, it's got to be the the jaws theme. franchise if you want to call it that where you can identify it with two notes mm-hmm. uh, it's so iconic um i i can't ignore it in simply. my notes it says so i've got a few that i'm going to bring up in my notes it says the song comma duh like yeah, <laughs> duh, duh. yeah i mean obviously yeah uh but there's like there's some honorable mentions uh i i love the harmonica in the opening scene mm-hmm. uh, the whale song during the uh, storytelling scene. Nice. I like that. Um, and the uh, so it's actually kind of famous in Hollywood lore. The the um, audio work they did to get the drowning sounds from Chrissy Watkins. They brought a woman in and basically waterboarded her. I think it was her. It was Chris. It was Chris. It was the actress. The, was it the same yeah, actress? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And. Um, yeah, yeah. The, so, it was the it was Steven Spielberg and I guess the sound recorder guy, the sound engineer. Yeah. yeah, got her to scream while pouring cups of water down her face. Pretty horrifying, but effective. It worked. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so. What's what's your pick then, Chris? Oh, it's the song. I mean, come on, it's that's the easiest thing I've ever had to choose uh, yeah. in my in my long history of podcasting. So I'm going to zag. I'm going to say for me, it is or it is musical. My my winner, it, but it's. When they first see the shark and it's, um, it swims past the orca for the first time, there's some stirring music playing. So it's not the, the, the famous bit, but there's some stirring music playing. And then it, it, 
it, so that bit and then shortly after that everyone sort of jumps to attention and dives into action and they start doing the barrels and the all that kind of stuff and then it gets all very adventure movie soundtrack at, at that moment as well and those two combinations of the kind of the stirring audio and then the the all action audio i love that little combination there so that's my pick i do want to also just have a quick shout out to the the sound effects when hooper is digging in the he's cutting open and digging into the stomach of the (laughs) the tiger shark there's some sort of not quite squelchy but sort of almost like noises going on and i just love that all right best looking scene Oh boy. Um, so uh, I'm going to list a few here. Uh, there's, uh, we've already mentioned it. The the way they film the attack on the Kittner boy is incredible. Mm-hmm. I, I, I almost feel kind of gross putting best looking on that because it's so horrifying and all the blood that's like just spewing out and yeah. filling yeah. the water. Just incredible. The shark going into the pond, the way they shoot all that, finishing with the last shot of the open ocean when Brody's just looking at the ocean, um, probably as far as just camera work and visual direction is probably one of my favorite shots ever in any movie. Mm. All the overhead shots of the shark passing under the boat are cool. Quint standing on the end of the plank with the rifle oh, yeah, yeah. in his arms. And as the that. as the boat is kind of lurching from side to yes. side, he kind of rocks with it, and which is great. Yep. And it's twilight, all that. But my pick uh, that I'm going to go with because it's this is the only probably look of a scene that's ever actually had a, an effect on how I live my life. I I can't. I know this sounds so stupid, but I'm just going to be honest and admit it. I just I can't go in a swimming pool at night. <laughs> And it's because it's lit the way it looks when they go and investigate Ben Gardner's boat. Yep. Mm-hmm. The and underwater, the underwater lighting. Yep. Yeah. So. <laughs> so good, so stupid. I just can't do it. No, that is a great shot, isn't it? It was on my list actually. Yes. I took it off to make it a bit more uh, legible from my perspective, but um, yeah, it's uh, they only show it for oh, I don't know a couple of seconds, don't they? Um, right. But it's it's so good. Mm-hmm. We we have a neighborhood pool, right? And I, I'll swim in that pool all day long. But as soon as it gets dark and the lights click on, I I'm out. I'm not going in that water. Oh, bless. Hot tub at night? Would you do that? What's that? Hot tub at night? Yeah, hot tub at night. I'd be yeah, right. There's no sharks in that. It's unlikely anyway. For my, uh, Chris, my yeah, yeah. You mentioned um, the one I'm going to pick. It is it is Quint on the the bowsprit of the boat, you know, twilight, uh, rocking away. It's weird, actually, because it just, it's a moment of calm. It just looks super comfortable and it's really peaceful. And like I say, the sun is kind of low in the sky behind him. So that's mine. So I wonder if I'm thinking of the same scene because I've also got, there's a, it's a sunset shot. It's the, the first night in, on the orca and it, the sun is setting mm-hmm. and the, the orca is silhouetted <clears throat> in the foreground as it kind of chugs along. Um, if anyone who anyone's looked at my Instagram account lately knows, I love a good sunset silhouette. Mm-hmm. I wonder if we're talking about the same thing. I'm no, because sure. you're looking up straight up the bowsprit, so we're oh, down okay. on deck level, looking up, and he's resting. Okay, right. Like so his, with his mine's very thing. mine's very close to yours then, but it's um, mm-hmm. a little bit after, and it's actual the actual sunset with the the boat chugging along. Uh, I do want to just give a quick shout out and quick nomination at least to. Um, when they go swimming right at the beginning with 
Chrissy goes swimming and she does that that synchronized swimmer thing where she sticks her leg right up in the air, mm-hmm. like dead straight up in the air, and then she just disappears. Yeah. I love that bit That's and good. because it's a nice the 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 light in the shot is really cool as well and they, she's sort of silhouetted and i also had the yeah the the alex kidner attack with the the um with the blood <laughs> but yeah as you say chris you can't really make that best looking scene can you <laughs> my favorite category the monsieur mendel award for our favorite incidental character i, I got a few here and i'm quite pleased with some of mine but um uh, let's start with you chris uh okay so um i Ben Gardner, I, I guess I, I, I've never put that together. That was him. Okay. Uh, but he, yeah, he greets Hooper. Hey there yourself or whatever he says. Yeah. He meets him. <laughs> Hello. Hello back. Young fella. How are you? Hey, I hope you're not going out with those nuts. Are you? And then he gives his little monologue out at sea. When we get them silly bastards down in that rock pile, there'll be some fun. They'll wish their fathers had never met their mothers when they start taking their bottoms out and slamming into them rocks, boy. Get away from there, you goddamn fool, you! There's a guy that walks out of the harbor office right when Hooper, right at the beginning of that scene. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he's like wearing a little red hat or something like that, and he's like a classic. Uh, New England maritime. Uh, Do we think he's the harbor master? Well, I'm I'm picking this up for where you're putting it down here, Chris, because he's my pick. I'm almost oh, certain. Yeah. Okay. I'm almost certain he's the harbor master because he comes out of the harbor master's office and his name is Frank Silver. It says Frank Silver, harbor master, and he just oh he just he's looking around as if to say, "What is going on here? I don't know what it is, but I like it." Such a salty maritime yeah. kind of dude, isn't I, he? I was gonna say he is like made of the sea, right? Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't have parents. He he walked out of the ocean that age wearing that jacket. Yeah. <laughs> but he and he um, he just I'm guessing Harbor Master's job is to um make sure everyone's paying for their berth and looking after the harbor and all that kind of stuff, right? So he's just looking at all these boats showing up. Hmm. He's like, oh, this is chaos, but maybe I'm going to get a little bit more money out of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, but my pick is Polly. Who? Secretary. Oh, the yeah. Secretary. What have you got on? Oh, you got to keep that, that incoming stuff. If this new filing system's going to work, <laughs> you know, and they're karate chopping. <laughs> like, that's, yeah, Polly. I love she Polly. asks him, what have you got on? Yeah. Right? Like, he's just got a tea towel over his shoulder. I don't know why she <laughs> thinks it's a new outfit. Bro. She's in the movie like for 40 seconds, and I love Polly. Yeah. Um, I'm going to mention my little. I've, obviously, I'm, I've picked Frank Silver, the Harbor Master, as my as my number one. But I'm just going to mention a couple of others. Uh, I love the store owner at the beginning when he goes to buy the supplies, mm-hmm. and he's like, "You haven't got a single thing I ordered. You haven't got a beach umbrella." Like <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the guy he's talking to, he he's clearly just brought a shipment of whatever stuff. He's not saying a word. He's just like standing there and this guy is just saying, you, you haven't brought me anything. What are you doing? And it's just, I love that. Pippet, I'm going to put Pippet as, as a nomination as well. I think he's great. You know, we talked about how happy he is earlier. It's so nice. Yeah. And then <laughs> Quint's mate, the guy with the orange hat that follows yep. him out of the town meeting with the dog. And then he's passing him stuff on yep. the orca mm-hmm. when they're just about to leave. Yeah. Yep. So can I, can, would you permit me a tangent just briefly? Go for it. Okay, this is years ago now when I had the DVD of The Usual Suspects, 
which is directed by Brian Singer. I'm not really allowed to say his name anymore, but it's directed by Brian Singer. Uh, and there was an interview in like the DVD extras of Brian with Brian Singer. And it's even more obscure than that because I'm pretty sure it was like almost an outtake of the interview with Brian Singer <laughs> about the usual suspect. Anyway, <laughs> he is like speaking to someone off camera and he talks about, because you know Brian Singer's production company was Bad Harry, which is obviously come mm-hmm. straight from Jaws. So he's obviously talking about Jaws to this guy off camera and he's talking about how this is this is going down a rabbit hole on the the extras of the or like the deleted scenes or whatever of the laser disc version of Jaws mm-hmm. there were some scenes that were cut out with Quint's mate in and apparently he's like he's got lines and everything in these deleted scenes and he's like, really? no, sir, Mr. Quinn, I won't go with you or something like that. I don't know exactly <laughs> what he's saying. It's a long time ago since I watched this interview. So um, I just I did, I've always had that with me in my head that Quint's mate did once upon a time have lines. <laughs> well, I love that. Jess, can I can I say something I think will make you happy? Please. Uh, Quint's mate is absolutely going to be in our prequel. Oh, yes. My God, yes, he is, of course. Perfect. And we get, we'll get we get to know where the dog came from and everything. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> oh, mine is far less lofty than the, than yours, Jess. So, no. um, I'm going with the, the collective morons, um, which who go shark hunting. Yep. I, they are so dumb. It's almost, well, no, it's supposed to be comical, but a light relief, I suppose. There's one guy dropping explosives. Uh, he's maybe like 100 meters out. Of, of the harbour, and maybe not even that. And he's dropping explosives from, like, this boat, which is <laughs> tiny, directly below him. And the fuse mm. goes off but a second after he drops it. What? It's so nonsense. <laughs> like, what, what does he think the explosive is going to do anyway? Blow him up. Yes, the likely occurrence. I love it because, so, Hooper says on, the, he sees one guy with, he says, hey, careful with that, that's dynamite. Yeah. And Brody's like... Wait, where do you think you're going? And the guy goes, I'm going out on the water <laughs> with dynamite. <laughs> and they're, they're all idiots. And, you know, they're insulting Hooper when he's trying to get them. He's telling them they're overloading the boat. And mm. just those those people, not only are, you know, they're, they're obviously mercenary and after the money, but they're so ineffectual at what they're trying to do. Well, the guy who drops dynamite, I wish I'd, he's wearing a red hat, perhaps. He's an idiot. Yeah. Anyway, him. Them, collectively, them. but him Collective idiots. All right. What's your favourite location or the best location in the movie, Andy? The Orca. I mean, it's iconic for me. The beach is a beach. Mm-hmm. You know, the town looks lovely and leafy and what mm-hmm. have you, but uh, the Orca kind of defines my um, my vision of what this, this movie is, um, rightly or wrongly. So, yeah, simple. So I will ultimately agree with Andy. I will say the Orca as well. However, uh, you guys mentioned this earlier. Amity looks awesome. Mm-hmm. Like I would love to go visit that little town. Look really cool. I would spend a weekend in Amity for sure, and go check out those little shops. And I bet you they have some great food. No bad. And yeah, they're friendly because because as you know, Amity means friendship. Yep, it does mean friendship. Yeah, yeah. and you know the beaches are going to be open. Like they're not closing those beaches for, for anything. anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. I feel like I was cheating a little bit, but I have put Amity as my favorite location. I just, one of the reasons I love watching Jaws and I do rewatch it regularly um, is because I like spending time on Amity. I like being with the people and, 
And so even as good as the second half of the film is, I think I prefer the first half of the film because I enjoy being on the island and I enjoy everything about the, the island and the people. And um, even though, you know, the mayor is cutthroat, even even like the mayor somehow. So, yeah, my pick is Amity. I, I get it. I'm, I'm with you. So your your um your souvenir from the film, your prop or item that you'd love to own. You mentioned it earlier. I mm-hmm. I want Quint's fishing chair. I want that. Mm. I want I want to be able to have that. Would you mount it on on like a no, stand I, and just use it as a chair because yeah. it doesn't look comfortable. I'd have it, and you know, you'd have it in front of you, whatever your TV or whatever your reading nook, and you'd be like. Yeah, and people would come over and go, oh, well, that's an unusual chair. Well, thank you. It's the, Did you strap yourself in? It's the, chair, it's the chair from the orca. <laughs> I, I don't know how many people you know that would get that, Jess, but like, I'm just picturing like you calling me up and Skype and being like, hey, Chris, I got to show you something. Yeah. Look what I bought. Look what I found on eBay. Yeah. I'd be like, what'd you get? And yeah, I would be like, that's the coolest thing mm-hmm. anybody that I've ever known as owned. <laughs> and that would make it worthwhile, Chris. If you if I if I had something that you, you said that about, that would, that would make it worth it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know what I'd do with it. So I'm not because my first thought was maybe Alex Kittner's raft. <laughs> <laughs> well post attack, like the deflated kind of remains of it. Yeah. <laughs> what is that? what is this ragtag? Yeah, red blood stained. <laughs> Piece of plastic. Uh, but I think it'd be really cool, like for real to own, um, if you, if I could somehow get my hands on the board that says Orca on the, on the piece of yeah. driftwood from the broken up ship mm-hmm. that yeah. says Orca on it, I would hang that on my wall. Yep. That's, yeah. I mean, that's perfect movie memorabilia stuff, isn't it? it? Is. Something you can display. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Plays an important role in the film. Yeah. Perfect. So, so and mine, when, when I when you called me to tell me about the chair, I'd be like, "Yeah, I just woke up. I bought." <laughs> and I would rock up to that Skype conversation wearing Quint's hat. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. So it's, I I want to know how it smells because it looks like it's ingrained I don't. in. I definitely do not oil and like fish and and oh, disgusting. And the peak is bent at the worst place. It's like got a crease like off center. <laughs> And it, <laughs> I would wear the hell out of that. I feel like wardrobe really went to town on Quint. Like yeah. we're going to make him as yeah as authentic as possible. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's your pick, is yeah, it? Quint's hat. I was watching the movie. Yeah, Quint's hat. When I, during the movie, I'm like, where, like, where'd they go to find some of these clothes? Because these aren't new. Like yeah. they, this stuff is lived in and has been worn. Yeah. So, so that that moves us on very nicely to coolest look. Chris, do you have any nominations for coolest look? Well, uh, so it, it's a mayor's jacket, but it's not the one you're thinking of, Andy. Oh, you've got it wrong. Uh, I like that little stripey deal that he's wearing in the last scene that he's oh, in. Good okay. grief. I think you've done it wrong. Mine's the mayor's jacket, but the, the correct one with anchors. We, we are, at, the anchors. We are yeah. at odds once again because I've written not mayor. <laughs> not mayor? <laughs> no. His, every single thing he wears is terrible, and it's it's calculated. He's like, oh. I'm the mayor of a coastal seafaring town. I need to have a jacket with anchors on it. Or so, pastels or striped pastels. That you, I mean, you can yeah. wear that jacket to the beach. Yeah, I mean, he's wearing a deck chair for a jacket or a, yeah, I right. don't know. It's, mm. Beautiful. I so you're that. both voting for the mayor. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, different jackets, but nonetheless, the mayor, yeah. All right. The mayor's wardrobe. That's what we love. He's great. 
So you gotta love something about the mayor, right? So there are. I have have a couple of nominations though. I I love the outfit that the the woman that spots the shark going into the pond, the painter. She's got the yeah. Oh, yeah. the the kerchief on her head. She's got like really kind of painter's trousers on. She looks really good. So I'm gonna shout out to her. I like what Martin is wearing when Hooper comes over for dinner and there's the wine and everything. He's got a nice kind of plaid shirt and a yellow t-shirt on. I think he looks quite cool. But for me, it's a clear winner. It's the outfit that Hooper is wearing when he goes to Quint's shack. He's got like a, a light blue shirt underneath a navy blue like sweatshirt. Mm-hmm. But he's got the collar of the shirt showing at the at the neck and he's got the sleeves rolled up so you can see the, the lighter blue collar or the cuffs and he just looks he looks very nautical but he looks very stylish as well so i'm i'm picking hooper's hooper's blue combo okay there no anchors you on have to say that jess you've got city hands jess you've been counting money your whole life yeah yeah well you know at least i'll look good doing it i won't be wearing a, a blazer with anchors on it how about hooper's pink shirt that he's wearing during story time yeah yeah that's not so good not no, so not so good. Actually, it's funny. I've mentioned, I've made this this comment before, um, not not on the podcast, but um, I think actually that if you look at wardrobe and, and generally, if you look past some of the old cars and stuff, this this movie aged has aged very well. Mm. There's know, a few the, haircuts. I mean, yeah, yeah. There's there's, there, there's James Hunt's things. haircut, for example. Well, yeah. There's some things here which which definitely age it in the mid seventies, but a lot of it actually. It doesn't doesn't look bad still. Nothing, no, I agree. nothing looks Ellen Brody, right? Would we agree? Ellen Brody kind of timeless look in yeah, this yeah. movie. Yeah. yeah. We are going to finish, as always, with uh the closing mm. credit, Andy. Very short credits on this one. And just so you know, uh I only ever include stuff that's credited. So if you go to IMDB there's there's a hundred other people that I could have picked from, but um of the credited folks, there is only one which is mildly amusing, and that is poor estuary victim, <laughs> um, played by one Ted Grossman. Quick look at Ted Grossman's work. Um, must be a fave of Spielberg. He he looks like he's a stunt coordinator or stuntman and part-time actor, and he's been in several of his movies. My uh, the notable other one that he was uh, been appeared in was uh, he was actually in Raiders. Oh, um, he was Peruvian porter. Mm. Yep. He was also FBI man in the Goonies. FBI man. Okay, you know so he's, no. No. No, he's a cohort of um, of Spielberg then, yeah, clearly. So Ted Grossman, estuary, <laughs> poor estuary victim. He's the he's the guy that goes, uh, you okay over there? Yeah, he only tries Does to he help. Say, haul in the sheet or yeah, something like that. He's just New England accent. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so there you are. Estuary victim, Ted Grossman. Congratulations. All right, that'll do it for this episode. Jeez, I think we've just recorded a two-hour episode. Two and a half. Three tons of <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thank you, Andy. Cheers. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. And cheerio from me. Next time, well, it's one for us. We'll be talking about National Lampoon's Vacation. Maybe give it a watch if you're interested in joining along. But don't forget the small stuff. <laughs>